All right. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to John thirteen thirty-five, please? The message entitled the supremacy of love. We want to look at an, another one of Calvary Chapel's distinctives, uh, the distinguishing mark of the church, agape love. For Jesus said to his disciples in John thirteen thirty-five, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciple if you have love." One to another. The horizontal plane which represents the earthly relationship that we have are always in direct relationship, as you know, to our relationship with God, the vertical axis. This is always the order. God initiates and we respond as the evidence of our sonship to God. For knowledge divorced from practice is hypocrisy and the mark of a counterfeit Christian or a carnal Christian, or you've gone back in the world. I'm not going to presume to guess. You tell me which it is. It's one of the three. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such we are to turn away, 2 Timothy 3, 5. The believer is entreated as a little child to not love the word um, in tongue, but indeed and in truth. 1 John 3.18. And that's what makes us different. Not that we're perfect, not that we're sinless, not that we can do anything on our own, but our union with Christ as we depend upon Him. He living through us as we're going to see. So Calvary Chapel places a great emphasis on the distinctive of God's agape love because it is to be the distinguishing mark of the believer and the church. And if you ever met or spoke to Pastor Chuck, you know that he always had that big old smile on his face. He just preached the love of God and the grace of God. That was uh, what he was known for. Let's look at God's love from three vantage points to help us in our study. First, the perspective of God's love for the church. Second, the principle of God's love for the church and thirdly, the power of God's love for the church. The perspective of God's love for the church comes first. God's love is distinct from many other loves that are mentioned in the scriptures. The first is the word that deals with the eros. The word describes the physical, sexual love between a man and a woman. We get our word erotic from it. This kind of love is legitimate. It is essential for the continuation of the human race. God said, be fruitful and multiply. The world says, do not multiply. We've got too many people. Listen to me, young people. You can still put the entire world in Texas, and it barely spills over to a second state. The rest of the world is empty. Don't tell your professor. He may faint. So we teach women to abort and kill their children. We have young people who are putting off marriage till older. They have less kids, and some people don't even have kids. Then you've got the homosexual community that can't reproduce. And you've got the indoctrination of overpopulation. You've got the masses of the world working towards zero growth of population. Every nation in Europe is under the recovery rate. The only one above water knows is the U.S. The only one. They're non-recoverable. All the nations of the world. Wow. Satan's smart, isn't he? The sexual love is to be experienced and enjoyed according to God's design. The two shall become one flesh in the kidney marriage and the privilege and honor of sexual union. It goes back to Genesis 2.24. Paul picks it up in Ephesians chapter 5 with Christ and a husband and wife. The word eros, sexual love, is not to be awakened until it pleases, meaning the proper time when a person can follow through to give to themselves to another sexually, which is the honeymoon night. This is declared, that statement, do not awaken love till it pleases in Song of Solomon 2.7, 3.7, 8.4. This is all of you young people who are still 
pure sexually. Pay attention real close, okay? The world tells you one thing. Experience will tell you completely something different. It won't be what the world tells you. It's going to happen. The opposite is giving oneself purity or virtue and honor to someone else before marriage, resulting in guilt, shame, by dishonoring oneself. Paul says that's the sin, the sin against your own body. You dishonor yourself. Now, as I said, those of you who are still pure, don't let the world deceive you. Many of us were in the world, we were stupid. We became wise in Christ. Waiting till your honeymoon. And that night, it's, a person's, it's for a person's benefit. A badge of innocence, honor, and virtue to protect you from not having to hide anything from your husband or wife. Because the result can undermine your marriage and destroy it. See, the world tells you it's no big deal. It's like having ice cream or a hamburger. But once you engage, it's not a hamburger at all. It's kind of the blood and guts. Listen to Song of Solomon 4.12. A garden closed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. She's waiting for her honeymoon. The Shunammite says, I am a wall in my breast like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. That's what you're going to get. Peace in your heart, in your mind, in your house. Very important. Don't let the world deceive you, young people. It's a lie. So sexual love falls short, and it's not the love of God that he wants us to be known for. For it is selfish and destructive before marriage. It is self-centered. Abusive and neglected, even in marriage, if God's love is not the motive in marriage. And yet, it is very valuable in marriage and to be enjoyed and not denied in marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 5 through 6. The two shall become one flesh. A new home, a new authority, a oneness, a privilege. If you will, we're the only one of God's creation who has intercourse facing one another without shame. Husband and wife, no one else. God's love is also distinct from the Greek word phileo. Phileo denotes the fondness, the attraction, the affection of love for one for another. It deals a lot with emotions and feelings. It's legitimate, but it can be deceptive. First, because it is based on our emotions and feelings that can cloud our minds to the reality of things and manipulate us by another person for selfish agendas and purposes. Second, this emotional love is often the gateway and stepping stone to sexual love because the woman is more emotional than a man, therefore making her decisions more often than the man by emotions, she is deceived sexually so often. I, I don't think, and I don't say this to be funny or anything, but have you ever talked to a man who says she sexually deceived me? It never happened. But a woman does. And so God has given the woman protection, the man. Men are to lead the church. Men are to be the heads of their homes. Men are to protect their wives and daughters. American fathers and men have cast out their women. We even send them out to war now. Wow. The woman always bears the greater consequence. She always bears the greater scars. Men have always been dogs. Now women are acting like men. That's no good for a nation at all. See, the only hope is Jesus Christ. As he cleanses you, as he makes you new, 
It's give you right priorities. It puts joy and fulfillment in your heart. The makeup of men and women is different as night and day. Men initiate being moved by what they see. Women respond being moved by what they feel. That's an absolute. That doesn't mean women can never or never initiate. But it's not the rule. The corruption of our culture and nation is that women are now the initiators. It's an upside down world. The way you destroy the home and society is to move the woman from her place of motherhood and wife to be like a man into society. Women hold society together, not men, by the home. Wow. The emotional love that is based on feelings and emotions appears in the New Testament. In a bad sense, Jesus describes the hypocrisy of the Pharisees as they love phileo, to pray standing in the street corners, Matthew 5, 5, wanting to draw attention to themselves. This is the emotional love, you know. We just want to be the center of attention, you know. We've had about 40, 50 years of psychology and self-esteem, and we're so full of ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that we don't throw up all over ourselves. Everybody's so, oh, I'm comfortable in my skin, I'm this and that. Yeah, right, right, go away. Wanting to pass oneself off for something that we're not. Everybody has little selfies all over and their little Facebook or whatever. I don't know what all that tweeting, whatever all that stuff is. And, you know, and, and everybody's living the dream. A lie. Wow. Wanting to have the praise of men. But it's also used in a good sense as John speaks about the love of the Father and the Son in John 5.20. So the context determines how it's going to be used. The emotional affection being the purest there, Father to Son, Son to Father. This is what he desires for us. The emotional affection being high honor. In a good sense, again, Paul refers to the mutual love of believers in Titus 3.15. So now that we're Christians, we look to each other for the good of each other. We're not trying to score on each other's wives or girlfriends here. We're here to see how we can help you, how we can pray for you, what we can do for you. See, a lot of Christians, they're looking, do you have a single ministry? They're asking me, do you have a meat market? A dating place? No, we don't have that. We're not butchers. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Come and be a Christian. Prepare yourself to be the right person, not to look for the right person. Walk with God and he will blow your mind. The only problem with looking is you'll find something. Doggone it. It's usually the wrong thing. You think you get a goldfish, you end up with jaws. God's love is distinct from the Greek word also, storge. It depicts family love, affection. Great, great place of that love and so needed today. This is the love between parents and children, the affection of the one who has conceived that child. What a joy when you first brought your first child home. You just look and you can't believe that, that, that you and your wife put this thing together by the grace of God and that your wife can live after having given birth. And man, you need to be in there. So you can appreciate your wife. <laughs> I don't care if you throw up. They should duck, take you to that chair and stay there. It's amazing. This includes the relatives, extended blood relatives, the cousins, the uncles and everything. All that is needed for the family for shaping. You know, the father says this to the son. The uncle comes by and slaps him upside the head and tells him don't do that. And then the cousin doesn't that. And everybody's hidden from every end. So it's molding and shaping that child. The word is found in the negative in the New Testament depicting man's depravity and the characteristics of the last days, by the way. Listen to Romans 1.31. Paul says, undiscerning, that long list, undiscerning, untrustworthy, 
which unloving, that's a storge, a before a word is no family love. A storge, unforgiving, unmerciful, Romans 131. Wow. No family love. Think of our society. Look at it. We dishonor mother and father. We do what we want. We kill our own children. Wow. Commit adultery on marriage. We give ourselves away like nothing. And then we're to have God to honor us. See, that's why we need the Lord. Hmm. God's agape love is what we're to be known for, distinct from these three loves. His divine love for us, sinful man, John 3.16 says it all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in should not perish but have everlasting life. What an incredible verse. If you had only that verse, you need nothing else in the Bible. You need no other verse. That's it. The evidence is that Christ died for those without strength, the ungodly, Romans 5, 6. Listen, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. I presume you qualify. I certainly do. It's been 42 years, I still remember. I'm glad God doesn't. <laughs> he says he cast my sins as far as he is the west, buried in the deepest ocean, put him behind his back, and he will never remember them again. Whew. The love of God is un- uncaused by us, unconditional to every person in the world, but it's for the benefit of those who repent. So even though many times people say, well, we're saved unconditionally, it, it's true to an extent, but it isn't another. There is a condition to being forgiven. You must repent. You must agree with God that you're a sinner. You've sinned against him. And that Jesus died in your place and paid the price. And that he alone can forgive you your sins. And you call upon his name, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. There is a condition. Absolutely. You must repent. We're not all going to heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Some of our wives and husbands may not be in heaven. Some of our children may not be in heaven. Because salvation is individual. It's not a family pact. The very nature of God is said to be agape love. God's love even as he is light, eternal life and spirit. First epistle of John lays all that out. His very nature. God's agape love is based on his uh, perfection and holiness. Every attribute to perfection. He can't learn anything. He cannot make a mistake. He cannot lie. Are you as the church living by eros? With sexual love only. Or that phileo emotional love that you just manipulate people. It's all about you. Or maybe even family love. Family love can become an idol. You know, kind of like the new car, you know. It takes two stalls because you're afraid. That... Every time I see a person take two stalls on like that, I want to key it. That's how bad I am. I want to key it. Because that's their God. Anything can become an idol. Whatever I'm living for. Faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. You know, the New Testament church, as well as the history of the church, is the greatest illustration of agape love. Um, as so many have died under the hands of their enemies while they were praying for those who were executing them. If you've never read Fox's book of martyrs of the first century, martyrs into the second century, get it? Jesus Freaks, Volume 1 and 2, our recent history of all those in Russia and China and everybody who paid a price. Right now in Iran, many are being killed for Christ's sake. Greatest revival going on right now in Iran. Muslims are coming to Christ. Wow. Sexual love drives an individual like a slave too often. And it's short-lived. Very destructive, as you know. 
It's not sufficient to hold or develop a mature relationship in itself, for it alone is self-centered and selfish and a mark of the sinner in Romans 1.29. God gave us all these things, but the fall has corrupted them, perverted them. Listen to him. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of your mind, emptiness, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, no more conscience, no more guilt, you just progressively get worse, more depraved have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness and greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Ephesians 4, 17-20. Who is he talking to, ladies and gentlemen? He's talking to the Christian. Be careful. You still have a sin nature. You have the old man. You must reckon it dead. To warfare. Put on the armor. Strong in the power of his might. Emotional love is fleeting and temperamental, depending on how we feel and how we perceive a person. In our mind and through our eyes, we will always tend to manifest the works of the flesh because it's self-seeking. It's, you know, one for all for one and one for himself. It's a philosophy. Eternity of darkness, me, myself, and I. So I have an old sin nature, but I have a new divine nature. We'll get into that. That enables me to live for Christ. Emotional love is fleeting. Can't trust it. Listen to um, Galatians uh, 5, 19 through 21, because it manifests itself in the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. All those right there, they all have to do with sex. All of them. Idolatry? is always accompanied with fornication and idols. When a woman thinks that that guy's worth it, she's worshiping him, she sacrifices herself to him. It's idolatry. All of them are related to sex there. Then he says, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, drunk murders, drunkenness, revelries, and of like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who is he talking to? Christians. Not unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Galatians. If there is no possibility for you going there, what's the sense of writing the letter? Real simple. Family love is what is lacking so much in our society today. Without God in the picture, families can become an idolatry. But most of the time when it progresses in a downward spiral, family is just destroyed and society falls apart, as I said earlier. Again, the woman holds society together by the home. When I was growing up in the 60s, women were already working. My mom worked. My dad worked. Okay. After school, no parents were there. You get out at 3.30. What do you do? You do whatever you can. Nobody around. Now today our neighborhoods are ghost towns. Amazing. The destruction of society. The agape love of God will flourish and develop the phileo love, the emotional love, the sexual love, the family love. It is in God's agape love that those other three loves gain the fulfillment and the fullness of it. If love of God is behind it, then as a husband and wife, you're going to enjoy one another. You're going to honor one another. You're not going to manipulate one another. You don't play the emotional card with your wife anymore. You're true. You're living for them, not for yourself. And gentlemen, God holds you responsible for the head as the head of your home. You will have to give an account to God for your wife and your children. Whether you were the godly man at home or not. Very, very important. Because love can still be abused and misused and um, neglected in Christian homes. 
Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is singular in the Greek. One fruit. Agape. Everything else is the manifestation of agape love. Ready? Here's the manifestation of agape love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, selfishness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. doesn't need a law. It's not a duty. I'm doing it out of agape love. <laughs> God's living through me as I yield to him. doesn't happen automatically. wish I could tell you that it's easy. It's not. The flesh is the last thing to die. So Calvary Chapel believes and teaches the perspective of God's agape love for the church. Very much so. Secondly, the principle of God's love for the church. Now, the person of God is the source of God's love, as we've mentioned. God loves us first by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins, 1 John 4, 10 says. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, the love of God is uncaused. The word is still the same word, agape, but in a different form, agapao. It was not initiated by sinful man, but God. As the man is the initiator by what he sees and the woman responds by what she feels, God is masculine, he initiates, and we are the church, the bride, we respond. Clear? Simple. Love is God's very nature, as I said. When God disciplines... It's out of love. When God brings judgment on a person or a nation, it's because God hates sin and he loves holiness. Simple. The love of God is unpretentious. God's love was demonstrated by sending the Son to this world as a man in the incarnation. Let me ask you, what, what, do, you, what do you think God had to gain by sending the Son? What do you think God needs? You? No. If I get a headache with you. And me. God's love was demonstrated by making his son to be the propitiation for our sin, which satisfied the demands. The word propitiation goes back to the Hebrew sacrifice of animals. That that animal died in the place of that person as they laid their hands on him and cut their throat. And really, that person deserved that death, but that animal took it as an IOU of the true payment to come, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Satisfied it. True payment is made in the person of Christ. Every, every sacrifice before was an IOU. God's love causes our love for Him then. 1 John four nineteen says, We love Him because He first loved us. He initiated Often you hear people say, well, I've been looking for God all my life. No, you haven't, you liar. You've been looking for a God that's shaped in your own image, after your own likeness. Well, my God, you know, he would have sent nobody to hell. That's right, your God wouldn't, because he's not holy. My God does. But in fact, it's really the people who send themselves to hell because they just rebel and refuse to be forgiven and to be transformed. Man without God loves himself more than anyone else. Man with God can love others instead of himself. Only in Christ. Now you've got this tension. We live in tension. Every day I get up in the morning and I say, okay, I'm going to live for me or I'm going to live for Christ. Every decision that comes into my life. The divine love of God is the source of the believer's love for God. This love is not from the earth. The earth is sensual, selfish, self-centered. This love is for sinners on the earth. Because they're lost, dead, and trespassed in sins, blind. God's love is... Imparted to our hearts, Romans 5, 5 says. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us, the believer. 
The love of God is resilingly efficacious because it empowers the believer to endure all things. You see, there is nothing more difficult, harder in life than marriage. Because marriage shows you what a creep you are. Even non-believers, they get married by the justice of the peace or a captain or whatever. They always say, this is not to be entered into lightly. Do you promise to forsake all others? In richness, in poverty, in health, in sickness. It reveals who you really are. The agape love of God is sacrificial. The agape love of God is sufficient. The agape love of God is selfless. We're not. His love is. So when we're born again, we have the ability and capability and possibility of being vessels of this love. But he doesn't force you or I. Just like a man cannot force a woman to marry him. You can't force a person to love you. The only way love has value is if it's voluntary. And every husband and wife know that they have the greatest privilege of being loved by their husband or wife because they themselves know they're not worthy of that love. That's why it has value. The love of God is lavishly endowed to the believer by the Holy Spirit. Not forced. We must yield to Him every time for every person and every occasion. He does not force me. The church and believers are the channels of God's love. Corporately and individually. Jesus declared the greatest commandment to the lawyer, as you know, the love of the Lord that God with all that heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself in Matthew twenty two, thirty five through forty. The first, as we have pointed out, is responsible for the second. The first, our love for God is the source. The second, our love for our neighbor is a result of God's love through us. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Once again, the vertical axis is the source of the horizontal, which is the result. The vertical is the root. The horizontal is the fruit. Don't confuse them. The root is the vertical. The fruit is the horizontal. If you see the fruit, you're hooked up to the root. When that fruit's not there, you're hooked up to yourself. That's no good. Jesus declared that his disciples would be known by their agape love for one another as I opened up in the sermon in John thirteen thirty five. The quality of God's agape love was and is to be the key identity of all believers and to be known as the disciples, the learners, the students of Jesus Christ. It is not based on feelings or emotions. It is not based on looks or merit. It is based on obedience and dependency on God alone. The key mark is reciprocal love for one another. We are his church. We are his people. We are his family. What an amazing privilege. Believers to practice yielding to God's love. We are to prove the sincerity of our love, by the way, Second Corinthians 8, 8. Not just say, I love you, but I, I've got to verify that. I've got to prove it tangibly. Word and deed. We're to be without blame before him in love, Ephesians 1, 4. We are to be rooted and grounded in his love, Ephesians three seventeen. We are to speak the truth in love, Ephesians four fifteen. We are to let our love abound more and more for each other, Philippians 1.9. We are giving evidence that we are abiding in the light, understanding the gospel message, and are obedient, 
sons and daughters of God. 1 John 2, 10, 3, 11, 4, 11. The entire epistle of 1 John. Amazing. Little epistle, five chapters. The principle of God's love is perfectly illustrated by two things. The Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Those of you who have been over Israel with us, you know what I'm talking about. The Sea of Galilee, because it is a channel to bring water through, it has life. It's abundant. It's fish. Fresh water. Because it's giving out. But the Dead Sea, because it is a mere container, it only receives, doesn't have a single thing living in it. Some Christians are like that. They're Dead Seas. It's all about me, myself, and I. They're not Sea of Galilee's giving out. Wow. By the way, all of us fail there. I included. I wish to God I could yield all the time to God. I don't. The greatest thing that a believer finds out very quickly is that he or she can love like Jesus and be an example of a believer to this dark world. In 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Let no one despise your youth. Be an example of the believer in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. God never calls or demands or requires of me anything by which he does not equip me to fulfill. You as a parent never ask your child to go paint the house when he's five years old. But when he's five, you say, you know, make sure you pick up your clothes. He can handle that. The journey of life gives us um, opportunities to experience God as a vessel of love, to be in awe of Him, not ourselves. God gets the glory. Those are the rules. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in this earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Can you handle that? Can you be in the background? Can you be transparent or do you have to be seen? I don't know. Some of you guys go back. Remember Horshack? Oh, Mr. Carter. Always center of attention. It's all around us. The foxy chick that that's always just, you know, prancing herself or something. Or the guy that thinks he's just God's gift to women. God wants us in the background. Just yielding to him. The Lord Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. John 13, 34. Some people do not yield to God's love. They only love to win an argument. Be it over doctrine or whatever else. They just love to be right. Others yield to God's love only when it benefits them. Yet we are to yield to God's agape love. It's to be the motive for everything we do. Everything. Are you, as the church, being a channel for God's love? Which is the fulfillment of the law in Romans 13.10. I get that chance every day. I have to deny myself every day. I have to put Jesus first every day. So Calvary Chapel believes and teaches the principle of God's agape love for the church. Third, we have the power of God's love for the church. God's love empowers us to forgive one another, irrespective of damage suffered as Christ. This, this, everybody in this room fails. Nobody can forgive. Nobody likes to forgive. If any of you likes to forgive, stand up so we can laugh at you. Uh-uh. I want my pound of flesh and more. 
The willingness to yield is by first recognizing that God made me one of his elect and forgave me for all my sins when I asked him. Therefore, I am to do it in proportion as he did it to me. Listen carefully in Colossians chapter 3, 13 through 14. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as, in proportion, according as, Christ forgave you, so you also, be nice to do, no, must do. But above all these things, put on agape love, which is the bond of perfection. It's the belt that holds everything together. It's agape love that holds everything together. Without that agape love, everything turns into rotten manna, full of worms. The ability to forgive is based on the fact that I have been enabled to cope with all things in life in a godly manner by the divine nature. Once again, Second Peter 2. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So in other words, if you're a Christian, everything God allows, permits, brings into your life, he says you can handle it. Wow. Now, not in yourself, but in Christ. Depending on Him. Through the knowledge of Him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's talking to a believer, never to a non-believer. A non-believer could never do that. So now we've been brought into a position that we can be like Christ. That even, first of all, I should be the most astonished. Second people. But I'm the first one to just not believe me. I can believe that I did that. Because I'm trusting Christ. God's love empowers us to humble ourselves as Jesus. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. The Lord Jesus being God, humbled himself, becoming um, um, a man. He was thinking of sinners, not himself in the incarnation. Listen to what he says. Who being in the form of God, did not think or consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of the man, he humbled himself, emptied himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Wow. God, on his throne, empties himself. Me, who deserves no throne, doesn't want to humble himself. What's wrong with the picture? The command is that I put on the mind of Christ thinking of others before myself. That's what precedes these verses. Listen to verse 4 through 5. Let each one of you look not only on his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. That's what we're to put on. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. He emptied himself, humbled himself, died for others. Wow. Pride is the heart of sin. Love is the heart of humility. Very important. God's love empowers us to give our material gain. The giving of our finances is the proof of the sincerity of our love to God and for God as well as others. Listen to, um, to Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 8.8. 8. He says, I speak not by commandment, so he's not forcing anybody to give any money. He's taking collection for the poor saints at Jerusalem. He says, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he was on his throne, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. We just read it, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, emptied himself in the incarnation. Wow. The giving of our finances, not of duty, nor begrudgingly, but out of a hilarious heart as we live out our lives, using our money wisely 
and with priorities. When we were in the world, we did what we wanted, bought what we wanted. I mean, I, I stop and think, but I, I, I didn't go to the, the, the liquor store uh, to buy a six-pack. I bought a case. Okay? I remember working for Pranamari. I still remember pop-off half a pint, dollar five plus seven tax. I still remember. I mean, I used to work in the store. Six-pack, of course, was 135 plus tax. 525 a whole case. Still all back here. Johnny Walker Red, Johnny Black, Peppermint Schnapps, all that kind of stuff. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly of our necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, hilarious giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That word, sufficiency in all things, is a word that the Stoics use. As one who was frugal, a steward, to live in such a way, no matter how, how little or how much, that he would take care of himself and always have extra, put something aside so they can help others. That's the word. Wow. Priorities. We don't buy emotionally things. We don't buy just because we have money. We should spend our money in priorities the way God would have us to do. God's love empowers us to do what we cannot do in ourselves. I have um, failed every time. I have never yielded to God's love. Every time I've not yielded to God's love, I have failed 100%. But every time that I have yielded to God's love, I have passed the test. God's love cannot be substituted. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, agape, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I have not agape, I have communicated nothing. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not agape, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If I have not agape love, I have nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not agape, it profits me nothing. So if I have not agape love, I have given nothing. You see, God's love is unfailing power. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, the first portion. In the text, love is described here. It is not defined. It is described. Agape suffers long and is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, believes, bears all things, believes all things, holds all things, endures all things. Agape never fails. Aren't you glad you came this morning? This is good for me to hear. Because this is my potential in Christ. If I'm looking to me, that's no good. Put your name there in place of agape. See how far you can go. Let's try it. Xavier suffers long. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I can't, I can't get past that. I can't even get started. You put the name of Jesus and go all the way through it. Agape and Jesus is the same. Wow. Now you understand why he says, apart from me, you can do nothing? See, the problem is some things that we can do that doesn't bother us, we think, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I can do something. No. If God would take your hand off, off of you, even those things would bother you. You wouldn't be able to do them. So the solution is to let Christ live through us. As Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I to live, but Christ lives in me. And... The life which I now live, I live by the flesh, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. The crucified life every day. Paul says that the love of Christ constrains him to serve others in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He says he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, Philippians 4.13. Everything God allows to come in, everything he asks me to do, he'll enable me. Is it going to be easy? Nope. 
God's love empowers the church with the proper motivation for the life of the church, its witness, its service, and its operation of the gifts. The Apostle Paul tells us that agape love is the more excellent way in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Not knowledge, not gifts, not works. The Apostle Paul declared that every work a believer does will be judged at the bema seat of Christ by fire in 1 Corinthians 3.12-15. through 15. Listen carefully. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, which is gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hair, straw, each one's works will, uh, will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work for what sort it is. If anyone's works which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved so as through fire. So in other words, it is possible for a Christian to do so many different things, and yet the motivation was not love, so he'll have no reward in heaven. Yet still be saved. Simple. God is not interested in how much I do. Do you think God is looking down on you and saying, Gabriel, I can't believe I, that guy is a workhorse. He impresses me. God is interested in why you do the things you do and how you do the things you do. And I. The Apostle Paul says the basis of our judgment will be the why and the how. We did the things we did. If they were motivated by God's agape love, then we will receive some reward. And if not, there'll be no reward at all. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4, 5. This is the text. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. That's the motives. Then each one's praise will come from God. We gather as a church to provoke one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, You should be preparing yourself before you come. Lord, what do you have me to do today? Lord, just be, and let me be sensitive to the people that may come up to me and may need prayer or something else instead of saying, Lord, have somebody bless me today. We should be prepared to come here. Prepared. Are we to be known for our love? Yes. For who? Sinners. Peter preached the day of Pentecost. How do I know it was agape love? Because they just crucified his Lord. Someone killed my mom and dad, my son, my daughter. You think I'm going to tell them how to get to heaven? I'll tell them to go to hell. In my heart. In my old man. But as a Christian, I have to give them the way to heaven. Christ Jesus. Are we clear on this? That brings me to the end of myself, doesn't it? I'm done. The church of Ephesus was reproved by Christ despite her works, her patience, her purity, her doctrine, her perseverance. Yet one thing against her. You have left your first love. Revelation 2, 2 through 4. You see, God's love empowers us to confront our own sin and that of others to be repentant. And it's the very motive behind spiritual discipline, agape love, when it's needed. Love says no. Love chastens. Love corrects. The Lord is our example by chastening and scourging those he loves in Hebrews 12.6. The church and the believer is to confront and discipline sin. That young man that was sleeping with his stepmother in 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5, and Paul says, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved, even though his flesh may be destroyed. What was the motive behind it? Agape love. You do not turn non-believers over to Satan. They belong to them. You turn over Christians who refuse to repent of their sin and hope that they might repent and be reconciled. Make sure you understand that. By the way, 2 Corinthians 2, 4, he repented. He was brought back in the church. After Paul had to rebuke them because they didn't want to let him back in. The believers are to rebuke, reprove, and exhort one another. 2 Timothy 4, 2, Titus 2, 15. If we love each other, we're going to do that. You're a parent, you reprove your child. You discipline your child, right? Because you love them. The situations of life and death itself cannot separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 35 to 39. Our love for him. 
holds us. When we love ourselves, then we don't walk with God. We do our own thing. Stephen was an incredible example of the power of agape love following our Lord's example as he was accused and executed by stoning. Listen to the text in Acts seven fifty nine through 60. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, he died. So now Jesus prays like that on the cross. And you say, well, yeah, but that, he is God. Now you've got a man doing it. Now what's your problem now? Now I'm busted. Forgiveness apart from yielding to God's agape love is deception and a time bomb ready to go off. The potential is in, by, and through Christ. Colossians three twelve through 14. It bears again to hear. Listen. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, even any... If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on agape, which is the bond of perfection. Wow. Love covers a multitude of sins, First Peter 4, 8. Doesn't announce them to everybody else. When there's repentance, you bury it. Agape love brings us to the place of Christ-likeness, emptying ourselves of our pride and allowing God to fill us with this power to serve others, even as we saw in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. The very nature of God's agape is characterized by giving to others. The evidence of my love for God is testing my own character, trusting God, and depending on the Lord for all things. Listen to a few verses here. Romans fourteen nineteen says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. First Thessalonians five fifteen. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. First Peter three eleven. If anyone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. 1 John four twenty and 21. Now, having said that, it's important that you've done everything necessary and possible to depend upon God. And if a person refuses to reconcile and they still want to add to your hurt or whatever it is, then there's wisdom to back off sometimes until God directs you. But you alone know that. I've known some women who had the biblical rights to leave their husband for whatever reason or, or vice versa. And God told them to stick around and they did. Sometimes their husband and wife have been saved and other times they didn't. But God told them not to leave. So you, bottom line, you've got to go to God. Your obedience. The love of God is faithful to God. Not people. It deals with truth and sin without compromise. Even as the proverb says, listen. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful the wounds of a friend, but the kids of the enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. Calvary Chapel believes and teaches the need of the power of God's love for the church. A very important distinctive. This is God's agape love. From the three vantage points that Calvary Chapel believes and teaches. The perspective of God's love for the church. The principle of God's love for the church. And the power of God's love for the church. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. We love you. We thank you. Lord, we pray that you deal with our hearts and cause us to be open to the work of your spirit. Thank you for your word, Lord, and thank you for your grace over our life. All of us deserve hell, Lord, and yet you've saved us, you've forgiven us. You have done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We thank you. Lord, I pray for every husband that you make them the head of their home, their wives to be praying for them and just seeing you direct and guide them, blessing them, Lord. We pray for those that are here that don't know you right now, Lord. You speak to them. 
If you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Maybe you're out there in the internet also. God has spoken to you. You can accept Christ Jesus by faith right now. Ask Him to forgive you. And He will forgive you of all your sins and make you a child of God. By grace, through faith, because you believe He died in your place and you want to repent of your sins. This is your prayer to Him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.